So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1388, Kate Donovan, host of Fried, the Burnout Podcast. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Let's look at resentment. It's my favorite emotion. My favorite thing to work with because resentment tells us where all of your boundaries are being broken down, either where you're crossing them yourself or where somebody else is crossing them from the outside. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. We are in conversation today with Kate Donovan, who is a fellow podcaster, host of the very popular show called Fried, the Burnout Podcast. We talk about burnout quite a bit on So Money. You know, our health is our wealth. We've talked about how burnout led to the great resignation. We've had people on talking about how they have themselves managed through burnout, whether it was through quitting their jobs or getting out of bad relationships or reframing the lens through which they see the world. And our guest today, Kate, she's an expert on burnout. She's one of New York City's leading burnout experts. As I mentioned, she hosts Fried, the Burnout Podcast. She also has a book called The bounce back ability factor. And fun fact, Kate is an acupuncturist with a master's in Chinese medicine. Her own creative burnout recovery solutions have been featured everywhere, including Forbes, NPR, the New York Post. We ran into each other recently in an elevator going to a doctor's office. That's how this happened. So serendipitous, but so, so money. Here is Kate Donovan. Kate Donovan, welcome to So Money. I can't believe I'm here. I'm so excited and I'm so grateful for the shout out that I had. Yeah, so audience members, listeners, you may remember I bumped into Kate Donovan at the doctor's office. We didn't know each other. Well, I guess we knew of each other. And what gave it away was we were in this elevator. I had a mask on because I had been to this. I don't think you, you'd been to this doctor's office before. You didn't know the protocol. The protocol was you always had to like wear a mask. Anyway, you weren't wearing a mask and I was. And I said, out of an abundance of caution, I was like, I don't have COVID just so you know, like I'm not that I'm, I wouldn't, you know, and you're like, no, that's okay. And then you were like, are you furnished dropping? <laughs> my voice gave it away. That's the first time. Listen, but I've listened to so many hours of this podcast that I I know your voice. And as soon as that shout out came out, I'm I'm um a fairly frequent masker. And that just happened to be a day like I forgot it in my car. I knew I needed it. I was just yes. running upstairs to get one as soon as possible. And as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my God, now everyone's going to think. Oh, no, no, no. Kate is not an anti-masker. And actually you were covering your mouth and nose with your clothing. Yeah, because I, I felt bad that I didn't I have a mask. That's why I said, I was like, don't worry, I don't have COVID. I'm not going to, at least I don't think I do. Anyway, so good to have this moment uh, now together, two podcasters. I want to talk all about your show. Your show is called Fried, I should mention, The Burnout Podcast. And you have many other titles, including author. Your book is called The Bounce Back Ability Factor. You're also an acupuncturist with a master's degree in Chinese medicine. How 
cool and interesting are you? So Kate, let's just start with, I've had some burnout experts on the show throughout the years. And believe it or not, I never ever asked them this question, which is maybe a little too basic for you, but I think important for us in the audience. How do you define burnout and how does it show up in your life? So the first thing is when we're talking about defining burnout from a legal standpoint, I will give you the World Health Organization definition because that is the one that the United States is going with at the moment. And that includes three components. The first component is physical and mental exhaustion, physical and emotional exhaustion. The second one is cynicism and detachment. And the third one is a lack of productivity or a lack of feeling like your work is impactful, even if you are getting it done. Hmm. So there's these three components, and that's what the World Health Organization has said is burnout. And they're not saying that it's a disease. They're calling it an occupational hazard, which is hysterical because you can get burnt out for so many reasons. And I think they're, they are trying their damnedest to ensure that there's some difference between burnout and depression because we don't really know what the difference is very well at this moment. There are some biomarkers, some indicators with cortisol measures that the, the profiles of how cortisol is functioning in your body during burnout and depression are different. But I don't think they know enough about depression either, to be honest. So we're kind of in this no man's land, like is burnout a thing? Is burnout not a thing? For now, we're going to call it this. It shows up in your life with that physical and mental exhaustion, which I always tell people is like, if you are a person who typically exercised and that gave you some energy at the beginning or the end of your day, like you, you finish your workout and you're like, oh, thank God I did that. When you're burnt out, you do that same workout and you like pass out on the floor immediately after. Like you, you have zero ability to recover. And every time you use energy, it like empties you out completely. Hmm. And on the emotional side, it's just having a really short fuse. It's just anything that happens, that one more thing gets added to your to-do list or that one extra email comes in and you lose it. That's literally every working parent in the pandemic, I think. Amen. Was anyone spared? (laughs) I don't really think so, to be honest. I think because a lot of burnt out is based in a lack of um, justice, feeling that things are unjust, feeling that things are unfair, feeling like you're giving more than you're getting, the burnout made us the the burnout the pandemic made us ripe for burnout all mm-hmm. of us parent or not because everything got thrown up in the air everything was uncertain every single day required something different and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and you can't get on top of it because your kids teacher is in today out tomorrow online today in school tomorrow oh, the, the the and you can't get anywhere you can't get there from here mm. right so so here we are and yeah. While the pandemic is in a new phase, and I would say it's it's waning, we have other constraints. We have this recession potentially, whatever we can say technically it is or is it just like burnout. You can say technically if you yeah. if you're feeling the pain, you're feeling the pain. And if you are someone who's recently laid off or you uh, went from dual income to single income because of a job loss in your family, you're looking at all of the prices. There's always something going on that can contribute to burnout. And from your experience, you've talked to so many experts on your show and you yourself, I assume, have gone through some of these motions and have come on the other side of it. 
what's the most effective way to address it? Is it, I have a colleague, for example, who is literally taking a leave of absence to address uh, his health. I, I applaud him for doing that. And I, I said to him, you know, this isn't modeled enough in the workplace. And I, I really hope that this is, I'm not going to be just great for you, but but really an example for everybody. And we'll follow in those footsteps. Hopefully we won't have to get to that point, but it's great to know that there is that allowance. What do you say? Is it like you just have to make a complete 180 shift? Can you take baby steps? I don't believe in taking a complete 180 shift when you're burnt out because it's hard enough as it is just to survive on a daily basis. And making that much change often leaves you on this sort of adrenaline rush that you've been on with nothing to do. And if you don't have some sort of plan for that time and you don't know how to rest because you never really learned and you've been on for the past 20 years, you end up spinning out. Mm -hmm. So I do love a leave of absence and people who are privileged enough to be able to take one should take one if at all possible and also create some sort of plan because just laying around, resting is important and also you might not really be resting. Yeah. Like if you're resting but you're watching Netflix, on a norm, if you're in a normal state, that can be restful. But if you're in a burnt out state, that's not restful. One of the things that people notice during burnout is, for instance, they get really sensitive to music. Like normally music would help calm them down or pump them up and they can't even stand to listen to it. Or they're watching TV and they're overly involved in the emotions of what's happening on TV. So it's not actually getting any rest. It's not giving them any rest because they're going to bed like and dreaming about the characters and concerned about the characters in the TV show because their emotions are so wound up that they can't let it go. So depending on where someone is, really kind of exactly what's going on and what the possibilities are, small steps are the way to go. Which small steps will vary from person to person? The first step for me is what we call life pruning. Mm -hmm. So we look around and say, what can we take away here? What's happening in your life? What responsibilities are you holding on to that are not actually helping anybody? Because I promise you, there's a few of those. <laughs> People don't like that. They're like, but everything I do is so important. I'm like, I promise you 10% of the things you do, if you stop doing them today, no one would ever even notice. Right, right. Right. So let's life prune. Let's get rid of all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then depending on the person, sometimes I'll say, all right, let's go to resentment. Let's look at resentment. It's my mm -hmm. favorite emotion, my favorite thing to work with, because resentment tells us where all of your boundaries are being broken down, either where you're crossing them yourself or where somebody else is crossing them from the outside. It's like that invisible, uh, there's an, a metaphor, like you're carrying this backpack yeah, of rocks, of rocks. Mm -hmm. all that emotional, unspoken emotion the, the stuff that we keep to ourselves. When you were going through this, you're, you know, tell us, can you walk us through some of the learning points in your burnout journey? Were there, was there resentment? Was there like, what were some of the signs for you? I had a ton of resentment and it's why it's one of the most frequent things I talk about. So I do do one-on-one -on -one coaching, but most of my work is speaking. Mm -hmm. So I go into corporate, do I do corporate events, I do bigger events. And I talk about the best-selling keynote that I have right now is called Resentment is Your Superpower. Because resentment literally taught me each and every time that I was abandoning myself. Mm. Resentment is where I found out where all my moments of self-neglect were, where I was leaving myself behind for the perceived 
an assumed benefit of others that was half the time not even true. So for instance, I'm going through my burnout recovery. I'm I'm an acupuncturist. I'm a giver. I'm a healer. That's what I do, right? So I'm giving people energy all day long. That's part of my job. And I'm happy to do it. I love doing it. But then I'm also taking the tram to get there. I was living in Prague at the time. And I was taking the tram to get to work. And I'm seeing an old woman getting on the tram. And all the seats are full. And the seat that is supposed to be designated for older women or for anybody that has is differently abled or pregnant or whatever, that seat is full too. And I'm looking at that person and I'm already like getting worked up, right? Because I'm like, well, are you paying attention? Because, you know, Miss Novakova from down the street is 98 years old and she's about to get on the tram and you're not even looking and where is she supposed to sit? And so I would be in this moment, I'm completely abandoning myself. I'm inserting myself into a situation that has absolutely nothing to do with me. I'm judging the person that's sitting down as an acupuncturist. This person could actually have a real problem that I just can't see. Right. So I'm judging this person already. And and Mrs. Novakova is not even on the train yet. Right. (laughs) She finally gets on the train and she's standing there. And so I walk over because I'm going to be the savior. Right. Because I'm a good person and I'm going to fix this problem. And I say, could you please get up so she can sit down in check? Because I'm Mm -hmm. fancy like that. And the old woman says, oh, gosh, no, I'm only going one stop. Don't worry about it. And I found moments like this, stories like this all over my life where I was getting emotionally involved in something, solving a problem that nobody needed me to solve. Because I thought that unless I was helping people all the time that I wasn't worthy. Mm-hmm. that I wasn't valuable, that I didn't count for anything. Making those observations, that's something we can all do. It sounds like what I'm hearing is just be a little bit more observant because it's very easy, I think, to always be looking inward. But look out. How are you perceiving the world? What's going on? Do these reality checks. At the, after that, did it, become, it became easier probably to spot those moments because now yeah. you have consciousness, raise consciousness. Yeah, exactly. And so I started noticing those moments because I, when I started noticing resentment, somebody would call me and I'd be like, oh my God, this person again? What <laughs> the heck do you want from me? And then I was thinking, oh, every time I'm in touch with them, I offer them something. And I say, oh, you need help with, oh, I can do, oh, I can. And I give and I give and I give. And then I'm mad when they call me because they want something. But mm-hmm. I taught them that this is our relationship. Right. People treat you the way that you let them. Sounds like you have to get really good with boundaries and saying no, which is not easy to do right away. How did you start to do it? Well, to me, the first step, I think boundaries and saying no is like step three in a boundary process. And everybody starts there as step one. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the this is what makes boundaries the most difficult because you can't just start saying no from today to tomorrow. The reason that you say yes, the reason that you jump in, the reason you do things is because you're a good person. So if you just start saying no, you start judging yourself as a bad person. This is a, not a great place to start. Who can just do that? It's it's so hard, right? So mm-hmm. to me, the first step is notice all the places where you don't have to say yes in the first place because nobody's asking you anything and stay out of them. Mm-hmm. So this is me letting this 98-year-old woman who's probably been riding the tram by herself for 93 years, letting her do her thing, letting her ask for help if she needs it. Or in the worst case scenario, asking her if she would like help before I interject myself. Right. Right. So before even getting to say no, 
Stop offering yourself when people don't actually need you. Stop making yourself needed when you're not actually needed. Mm. Back up. Okay, so let's get really deep here. If you Mm. are that person who constantly needs to feel needed, what's that about? I mean, I'm not a therapist. (laughs) Aren't you at this point? (laughs) I am not a therapist. However, the underlying thread that I see in burnout outside of the organizational issues that cause burnout, outside of the societal issues that cause burnout, because it's a whole picture, but on the individual spectrum in that space, the thing, the thread that I see is a lack of worthiness. So if we figure out how to be useful to people all the time, then we can ensure that we are valuable. Mm-hmm. We can ensure that we are worthy. I deserve X, Y, and Z, and I can have X, Y, and Z because I do A, B, and C. I'm a good person because I do these things, which means I deserve the good life that I have. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Kate, before you came on the show, coincidentally, I got a question from an audience member. Oh, cool. I answer people's questions on Fridays. This was in the mailbag, but I thought I would hold it for our time together. And we sort of touched on this a little bit, but let's directly help Diane. Her question is, she says, about burnout. I'll I'll say the question, but I even wonder if Diane is calling it burnout when maybe she shouldn't be. Mm. But again, I don't have all the details, but here's what she says. At long last, I have just crossed the six-figure mark for my salary. I now earn $102,000 a year. And so huge congrats to our friend Diane for that. That's a huge milestone. The reason I believe I was a strong candidate for this role at my company is because I worked really, really hard for many years. She was promoted from within. It's taken a lot out of me to grind and hustle for many years now, often sacrificing my well-being to be a high performer in any job that I've taken on in my career path. But I made it to this goal. My question is, what advice do you have for those of us who have sacrificed a lot to reach their goals? What do we do when there's just no more gas left in the tank? Do we keep going? Do we consider a mid-career break? So we talked a little bit about the benefits of maybe a a leave of absence, but I also wonder if this person's experiencing burnout or something else. There is a bit of resentment I'm hearing too. You know, like I did all these things. And I think as a woman, sometimes you feel like you have to overcompensate. You have to do the things that people didn't even ask you to do because that's what just keeps you at the level playing field as men. Yeah. Agreed. So the first question becomes, let's deal with the resentments. Let's figure out exactly what they are. Let's really name them. What are you really upset that you gave and what do you feel like you didn't get back? Let's go through that because that those are the boundaries that you'll need to stay, it put in place for later, right? So that's a really important part. The next part is let's talk about perception because there's this really, there's a, a, a ton of studies on the fact that how you are treated directly affects your health, right? So being in any sort of minority, being having experiencing any sort of the isms can interrupt health-promoting behaviors, health patterns in your life. However, how you perceive that you're treated, regardless of what's happening in reality, can moderate or buffer those things in a massive way. So when we really get into what you've done and what you gave up, how much were you pushing because of a perception that you had to push that may or may not be true? And how Mm -hmm. much are you pushing because you got told that the only way to get to this place was to work really hard? 
and how much were you pushing? Because so really let's dive into that because you can't, if, if that's built into what you think you need to do to be successful, you can change careers if you want, but it's going to come with you. So right. how do we unwind that belief to get you to a place where you can either stay at this job or make an emotionally mature decision? Because leaving this job right now is not the right time to do it because you're not fully prepped for anything new, right? So how can we get you to the point where leaving this job is the emotionally mature decision and you're not going to be taking some of your habits with you? Which doesn't mean to say, all that being said, burnout is not your fault because there are, again, societal and systemic and organizational issues that also contribute. But if we can't separate those two things, let's figure out who who's where, which parts are yours and which parts are theirs. Mm-hmm. And work on yours and see if theirs are still affecting you as much. And if they are, then you go for another job where you can look for in interviews those same kind of components and say, like, is this going to be better for me or not? Yes. And maybe now that she is in this promoted role, she has, or, or I would like to think that she can. Has more autonomy. Has more autonomy and and call more of the shots and say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to create these boundaries. We can interpret that negatively as like, well, I'm not being a team player, but it could also be like you're you're demonstrating leadership qualities. (laughs) You're demonstrating leadership qualities. And one of my favorite things about well-stated boundaries is that you are empowering other people to solve problems for themselves instead of being the savior. Right. What do you think of sort of this hustle culture that we are in? And I think we're probing it now, which is good. We are not so, we don't just take it for granted. We don't just assume it's the way or the highway, the hustle way or the highway. Um, but it was something that kind of was born out of the last recession, you could argue, with all these gigs and phones, right, becoming another tool to like make money and um, working while you're sleeping and that whole like, you know, passive income stuff. and in your mind, how has it hurt the burnout culture as well? Or how has it affected the burnout culture? I think the hustle culture, the thing that I believe really hurts us is directly related to how we are schooled as children and how we are taught to grow, even sort of during that school age. So you're in school and you learn to not go to the bathroom when you have to go to the bathroom, to override your basic foundational needs because you're wow. going to disrupt a class or because you're going to disrupt- my mind. Right. So my kids to go to the bathroom. My gosh. Like one of my biggest tips that I say on the podcast all the time and people always laugh and then they call me two weeks later and say, oh, my God, that's so real is pee when you have to pee. Like healing from burnout means first and foremost, starting to meet your foundational needs. Drink when you have to drink, pee when you have to pee, go to bed when you have to go to bed, like lie down when you're tired, when you can. Of course, there are situations where these things are not possible. I get that. But we are not meeting these cues really frequently. So before we even get into just the act of hustle, I think the biggest disconnect is we don't know how we feel or what we need because we are not taught to talk to our bodies, to listen to our bodies, to be in tune with those things. So my problem with hustle is that it overrides all of those things for a goal that can crush your health Mm -hmm. and does. Most of the people that I work with are very, very successful. They got to the top of the game. They're in their golden cages And they say, it sucks up here. I hate this. I'm miserable. I always thought that if I got here, I would be happy. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Right? Nothing's wrong. 
you played the game exactly how they taught you. But what you forgot about was you're a human and you have physical needs and emotional needs that need to be tended to. So to, just to repeat that base in there is that my, my issue with hustle culture is that it helps us to ignore our physical and emotional signals that we need in order to care for ourselves properly. So if you can hustle and pay attention to yourself, and if you're 24 and you've got all the energy in the world and you're not bothered by the hustle, hustle culture doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it's okay in that situation. If you can hustle and you feel good about it and you're in touch with yourself and you're hustling, but you're also meditating in the morning so you feel pretty cool, I'm, I'm okay with it. But if you're hustling and that means ignoring yourself completely, neglecting yourself, abandoning yourself, that I'm not okay with. Mm -hmm. The great resignation of 2021 mm. is continuing, maybe mm. not at the velocity that it was in 2021, but there you look at the 3.6% unemployment. And part of that, part of the narrative there is that, well, you know, people are choosing to not work. They're not looking for jobs at the moment. They're taking time to maybe deal with their burnout or whatever issues they're transitioning, they're pivoting. And um, part of me thinks that's fantastic. And I, mm -hmm. I think that it finally puts some of the power into the hands of employees. Where we'll land with the recession, I don't know. But also with this potential recession, knowing that layoffs are only going to increase, do we advise people to leave their jobs uh, in this moment uh, to be part of that movement because they are angry with their employers. They're fed up. They're burnt out. Part of me says, yeah, you should. But then I want to also be realistic and practical and say, like, if we're going to be entering a place where unemployment doubles in the next six to 12 months, that's not the same job market we have now. And so the getting a job in a year may be our harder for those who quit voluntarily. I never suggest in the very beginning of a burnout, if you're deciding now, like you decide, you're deciding today, you know what, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm going to actually address this burnout. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I never recommend quitting your job right away. It's not, it's not part of what I believe to be useful. I went through my burnout while I was still working and still managed to come through it. So it's not to me, Quitting your job just to get away from things is not always the answer. However, if your job is extremely toxic and you're being bullied and harassed and you're in a hostile work environment, get out. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you're just trying to deal and you don't know how, get some help, stay in your job. Because one of the things I think the hidden cost of burnout is that recovery time and that loss of work time. Right. You do. There are I know people that have been out of work for 18 months just recovering. That's a year and a half of your life's salary. That's 401k payments. That's car. It's, it's a, a ton. Yeah. And that compounds. Yeah. That compounds over time. So missing that much time and that much income is hugely impactful for the health of your financial future. So if we can avoid that, let's avoid that. If it's the only solution, cool, but let's do everything that we can to figure out if that's the only solution before we make that decision. And I always want people to make that decision from an empowered state, from a strong emotional state instead of a defeated I can't handle this state. And that requires help, therapy, coaching, counseling, whatever you can get. Mm -hmm. Let's square this though with this idea of quitting and how it can be seen as like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a loser. 
I have a fear of quitting because it means failure. And how am I going to explain this to my family, my community, myself? I'm sure you run up against this. Sometimes it is important to quit. Yeah. Uh, 100%. You don't want to say not to because for any reason that like I just described, but yet it is how we feel sometimes. Yeah. And I think that that goes back down to, are these the same reasons that you're burning out? And if they are, then let's address them so that you can quit from a more emotionally safe place. Because if quitting is going to send you down to uh, an extreme place of self-judgment and lack of safety, it might not be useful. Mm -hmm. So let's work that out first so that you can quit and feel okay about it. I'm a quitter. Uh, a proud quitter of things that no longer serve me. I'm here for the quitting under the right circumstances and from the right position. Mm-hmm. Kate, I love our conversation because what I'm learning that's new is we often, too often associate burnout with our jobs. And of course, your job can be an environment where you experience burnout, but it's not the, the reason maybe you're experiencing the burnout, it's not uh, placing the burnout on you. It's sort of like how we are taking the world in and right. It's almost like both sides we, matter. Both sides matter. Both but sides let, matter. We talk a lot about the job, but we don't often talk about ourselves and yeah. how we are or are not protecting our emotions, which can start to feel like, again, that backpack with the heavy rocks. Um, So thank you for bringing that to the forefront. I think this is something that is a really big, unfortunate situation in the burnout research world at the moment that we're so focused on. There was research that got published kind of in like the 80s and 90s that said burnout is 80% organizational. And people that want to do organizational work harp on that statistic because that's (laughs) what gets them in the door and that's what gets them hired. But personally, I've been doing this work for nearly five years and all of my clients get a sheet in the beginning of our work that says these are the internal reasons for burnout. These are the external ones. Check off the ones that affect you. And what we see is it's mostly 50-50. Hmm. It's not 80-20. It's mostly 50-50. So let's address both sides. Let's do it. And let's listen to your podcast. Everybody check out Fried, the Burnout Podcast. Tell us what you love most about hosting this show. I have never done anything so consistently in my life (laughs) that I have with Fried. My favorite thing about it, not even about hosting it, but about Fried as a as a tool is that it's this crazy, amazing resource that just keeps getting built. That's available to people for free all the time, anywhere in the world. Like I never realized how powerful it could be to accumulate so many pieces of information in one place. And I'm, I feel really proud to be able to offer something to people at no cost to them to say, Hey, listen, if this is all you can do, get everything you can from this. Mm. Yes. Yes. I love that. And I love how you use the word consistent. It, it kind of raises the, uh, this thought in my mind, which is that, Hey, think about what in your life you have done. That's been consistent, almost effortless consistency. Not that hosting a podcast is effortless, but no. that you don't go, Oh, another podcast, like, mm-hmm. yay, another podcast. There are a few things. And I think you can only have a few of these things in your life that you approach with this pleasant consistency 
and whether and like kind of look at it in your in different buckets of your life. So work, health, relationships, and it could be bad consistent, maybe, you know, maybe it's a consistency that you want to change. But I like that exercise of looking through the lens of consistency, like what has been repeated? What do you repeat in your life? that is a good or a bad pattern. And I think that's a great place to start to kind of go through that exercise you talked about earlier of identifying when you get resentful or when you have these emotional challenges that seem to be that the beginning, middle and end is all internal. It's not like anyone's bringing that to your attention or or forcing you to feel that way, but you just sort of have to put that upon yourself. Very, very cool stuff. Interesting stuff. Kate Donovan, thank you so much. I hope to run in to you again in the neighborhood. I'm sure that we will. We really are very close to one another in the world. (laughs) I love it. Have a great day. You too. Thanks so much to Kate for joining us. I've got her links in our show notes, including for her podcast, Fried, the Burnout Podcast, her book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor, and her personal website. I'll see you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. And in the meantime, I hope your day is so money. Money.